0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Watch the courtroom drama web series, Covenant Law, on YouTube channel Matt CTV, now streaming. Only good can defend the evil.
2: All right. Welcome to the uh, the book reading of... Land of the Black Squirrels with Waleem, the jazz poet, and I'm Jonathan Coleman, aka some guy named Jay. The song you just heard was from the ZYG 808 Thumping, and I also had a cameo appearance in that as well. Um, we're gonna bring them on, uh, Waleem. If you're out there, if you're if you're if, you've, if you're streaming, uh, press one, so I'll know which number, uh, so I can. You know, just press press one. Okay, there he is. Waleen. Evening brother, how you doing? I'm doing well. Oh yes, I'm ready to, ready to uh here's some here here's some more excerpts from the book. All right. And share them all. Yeah. Now right. uh now for the all right, all right. Uh now for the new people that's uh that's checking you out, um, you know, could you could you tell them a little bit about yourself and the book?
3: Oh certainly, certainly. Well, first my name is Mualim. I'm initially a playwright and storyteller. That is in in the literary form, I'm also a musician and composer. And uh, I have a novel called Land of the Black Squirrels, which is book one of a series called Bronx Boheme. And uh, Bronx Boheme actually began as a long-form storytelling piece that I decided to translate to a novel. Originally, I was going to try to do it as a screenplay, but found it worked better as a novel and then discovered it would actually work best as a novel series. And it's a series about a group of artists who grew up together in the Northeast Bronx and kind of like their development as artists, their development as musicians, and particularly during the time, the early, the, um, developmental stage, I should say, of New York hip hop and also what was going on in terms of jazz during the 70s, sorry, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, um, so it's chronicling a couple of different generations from these families and, uh, that's the story that's being that's pretty much the story that's being told so novel one is where we meet most of the main characters and some of the initial adventures and uh yeah i guess that's where i can begin
2: definitely well uh well definitely uh you're welcome to begin
3: all right um All right, I'm going to start us actually... Yeah, why not? Like you said, from the beginning, let me start us with chapter one.
2: All right. Chapter
3: is called Oba's Dream. There's a place in between being asleep and awake where our minds are locked into everything that has ever existed or ever will exist. We can see the unseen and feel the intangible. As we drift back into consciousness and our eyes open... The world around us is just a series of patterns of swirling lights and colors and sounds. This is the place where artists dwell, even when they're in the conscious world. June 1969. It was the time of year in the valley when the grass and the trees were a deep, vibrant green. The blossoms and blooming flowers made the air sweet. Honeysuckles grew wild in the yards and unbuilt lots mixed with the fragrance of grapevines and vegetable gardens in and around the neighborhood. The aroma crept into the seasons where the days were a little longer as the sun took a slow stroll across the sky towards Riverdale, heating the sidewalk until muggy vapors rose into the warm June evening air. The traffic and the children playing outside could be heard through the open windows. The oscillating fan gave the WLIB radio broadcast a flanged effect, as the sweet harmonized chants of Can You Dig It? flowed from the radio. Grazing in the grass faded out, replaced by the smooth, rapid banter of Eddie O.J. Calvin Obatunde Bay, most folks called him Oba, was applying a final coat of paint to the walls of his new studio. Over the last few months, with the help of a few friends, Oba had been knocking down and rebuilding walls throughout the building. What had once been an old apartment building with a storefront on East Chester Road was about to be transformed into an academy. Old apartments and bedrooms became classrooms, studios, and office spaces, and the old storefront was to become a cafe performance space. Fourth floor had one huge apartment, which now which was now offices and conference rooms. What had been the living room and dining room was now Oba's office and studio. The skylights made it perfect. Originally, Opal was going to put his office in, the back, in a back room on the first floor, but there was something about the top-floor top room in the southeasternmost corner of the building that appealed to him. The first floor had a couple of offices that were painted white, and the nursery school classrooms were all painted in bright, happy colors, selected for their positive psychological effects on children. The walls on the second and third floor were painted a stone white, as was the fourth floor conference room. Oba's space, however, was a deep bright blue, the kind of blue that that they used to paint the swimming pools. Aside from his work as an artist, Oba was no stranger to this kind of painting. Painting houses and apartments was a side job that paid the bills during his time as a struggling jazz percussionist and artist. While many artists would find this kind of painting demeaning, he saw it as meditation time for problem solving and stress release, almost like tai chi. As the opening roofs of dealing by the flamingos played on the radio, Oba stepped back to inspect his work. Not only was Oba, not only was it Oba's favorite color, but he was able to obtain a five-gallon bucket for free from the Parks Department. In fact, that's where he was able to obtain several five-gallon buckets of stone white as well. Having worked for the Parks Department for the better part of the last three years, he had painted the inside of every city park pool in the Bronx and Harlem before moving to a desk job in the Community Programs Division. It was behind that very desk that Over found out about the city donating old, abandoned, empty buildings to the community groups to create community spaces. This building and storefront sat empty for several years, having belonged to an elderly couple that had long passed away with no heirs to claim it. With some help from his friend, Chappie, Oba was able to tap into Mayor Lindsay's office and obtain the building, and funding to cover most of the cost to rehab the space. After months, hours, and hours spent after working on weekends, the New World Arts Academy was about six weeks away from opening its doors and enrolling its first students. Several weekends, one of Chappie's friends updated the wiring and electricity, and another named Conrad rebuilt a few walls. Three weekends before, Oba, his wife Vivian, and a bunch of their friends had a painting party. The weekend after that, Oba, Conrad, and another buddy laid down and varnished the floors in the dance studios. Opening this academy was going to be Oba's first step towards being his own boss and making a living doing the things he loved. Painting, teaching, and playing his music. Oba hadn't intended to paint this evening, but he needed to release some stress after the conversation he'd had with his father-in-law. Oba had stopped by the Browns to drop off his two-year-old son, Yusuf, for his weekend visit with his grandparents. As Mrs. Brown scooped up Yusuf to shower him with hugs and kisses, Mr. Brown asked Oba if he could have a word with him. Oba said sure and followed Mr. Brown down the steps into his study. Oba knew that these words meant a lecture, inquisition, or both. Mrs. Brown was a tiny, light-skinned woman. Note, in acknowledgment of the womanist, uh, I can leave that part out, pardon me, with a big heart, she loved Oba from the minute she, she'd she met him. On the other hand, Mr. Brown, a me, Mr. Brown, a medium-sized, reddish-brown-skinned man from Antigua, had grown to accept him. Mr. Brown had concerns about his son-in-law's life choices ever since he and Vivian became serious, initially wondering if Vivian was going to have to support him while he was out being an artist. He'd heard about how some of these jazz musicians were really pimps living off the young women they dated and married. Mr. Brown had worked in the post office for years before taking a clerical position at the Parks Department and was later able to get Oba a job there that allowed him to play on the weekends. Oba, Vivian, and Yusuf lived in the second-floor apartment of Brown's house on on 222nd Street until Oba was able to move his family into their own house. 222nd Street had been a predominantly Jewish neighborhood until the late 1940s when a Jewish woman sold her house to the first black fire battalion chief in New York City. Her neighbors were so outraged that she had to flee her home for her safety before the sale was finalized. Soon, thereafter, the neighborhood experienced an exodus of biblical proportions, and by the late 1950s, the area was mostly black professionals and Italians. The Browns' house was a two-story, two-family brick building with a semi-finished basement and nice yard, where they often hosted lawn parties during the warmer months. His den was a finished room in the basement that probably housed a goyim back in the day. But Mr. Brown fixed it up with wooden paneling and a television, stereo, easy chair, wet bar, couch, and a desk. On the walls were family photos, sketches, and paintings created by Mr. Brown himself. Oba often wondered why his father-in-law had trouble relating to him since he himself was an artist. Mr. Brown took a seat at his desk chair and didn't offer Oba a drink, which meant that this was going to be an inquisition. Oba sat on the couch. So, how's your project going? Mr. Brown asked dryly. It's coming together. The building is all set up. We now have to go through all of the inspections and the like. Chaps, I mean, Marshall, is helping me get that together, replied Oba. Ah, Marshall, how is he? Doing well. When do you think you're going to be opening your uh, academy? In about six weeks We'll be ready to start enrolling folks Do you really think this is going to work? A community arts academy In this neighborhood I have no reason to think it won't Bronx house is going strong Mr. Brown chuckled as he got up to fix himself a drink He looked over his shoulder at Oba And held up the bottle of Myers, As an offer of a drink No thanks So, Calvin, Mr. Brown refused to call him over. What about your job at the park? I've already let them know that I'll be moving on in a few weeks. I know you did. That's how I found out. You really think
2: that's a good idea?
3: Well, the academy opens in a few weeks, and Vivian and the staff are set to handle the enrollment process, but I'll need to be around full time when the programs actually start rolling. Mr. Brown settled back in his desk chair and took a sip of his rum and falernum. Calvin, white folks are not going to send their kids to your academy, and the black folks who would send their kids for music and dance lessons are going to send them to white people. You really think these folks around here are interested in African dance, drumming, and jazz? You really think this is going to work? Works in Harlem and Brooklyn. That's Harlem and Brooklyn. This is the Bronx, full of black folks trying to get away from Harlem and Brooklyn, and white folks trying to get away from us. Okay, so so Mayor Lindsay is eventually going to be voted out of office. That snowstorm this past winter and the blizzard plowing fiasco really hurt him. The grant money for these pipe dream projects is going to dry up, and you'll be left without a job again. I've never been without a job, sir. A real job. Oba and Mr. Brown had been over this many times before. When Vivian first brought Oba home, Mr. Brown was concerned about his ability to make a living as a musician and part-time house painter. When Vivian and he got engaged, Mr. Brown felt that the room that Oba lived in, which Ober repeatedly explained was a studio apartment, was an insufficient living space for the couple, and insisted that they move into the newly vacant apartment
4: upstairs.
3: Mr. Brown Pulled a bunch of strings to get Oba a job Which meant he approached the white man In charge and mentioned Oba At Renakwa, the headquarters for the Parks Department in the Bronx In reality, this job Didn't pay much more than he was already Making, but it was a steady Income and did allow Oba to have More quality time with his wife and Baby Oba found the job neither demanding nor Stressful, and if you were well Organized, which Oba was It left room for a lot of side activity. He started as a work crew supervisor, which meant that he drove from park to park in a truck to make sure that the work crews were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Being a college graduate, he quickly moved up to a desk job when the program coordinator retired. As more and more black folks began moving in, a lot of the white folks began to flee the valley which meant that you could buy some rather nice and rather inexpensive homes peppered in between the Italians who didn't seem to run as quickly, even though some were not happy about all the movies moving in. found a nice single-family, two-story brick-and-stucco house with a nice yard and driveway on Adi Avenue. The same day that he found that house was the day that he saw the boarded-up storefront building around the corner on Eastchester Road. After a few more minutes of Mr. Brown's lecture, Olba excused himself and went upstairs, kissed his mother-in-law and son goodbye, and left the Browns' house. He was afraid of what he would say if he stayed any longer, listening to his father-in-law's comments. He had never lived off his wife. Vivian worked as a teacher at the preschool at St. Luke's Episcopal Church and never had to contribute her earnings to the household expenses. When they moved into the upstairs apartment in the Browns' house, he paid full rent, plus a security deposit was never late with the rent, and still covered all the bills. In fact, the mortgage on his new house was about $75 a month less than what he was paying at the Browns. Yeah, painting the walls at the Academy was a great release of his stress. Going to the Academy and painting the wall was a good idea. Oba opened all the windows in his studio to let the paint fumes out and the evening air in. It was about 5 p.m., and the streets were alive with youngsters taking full advantage of the sunlight and warmer weather, making, making a noise that sounded like a symphony. An hour earlier, Mr. Softy Trucks, with that familiar melody, rolled slowly through the neighborhoods, followed by the voices of children asking parents to throw down change for ice cream cones and popsicles. The springtime street soldiers now joined teenage boys who had been on the corner all winter, and the young bloods that were now of age to hang out beyond the beyond the playground or their front stoop. You could hear them laughing, joking, telling stories, bragging, and bullshitting the the way folks do when they gather. I'll take us a, a pause there.
2: Okay, definitely, definitely. That's shoot. That that's that's definitely one of them. Throw some claps on it. Yeah, oh, yes, uh, we have Walain reading excerpts from Land of the Black Squirrels. Uh, you know, um, oh, oh, I just want to say if any of you have any questions or you want to call in and talk to them, uh, if you're streaming from an app or a third party website or a link or anything like that, just give us a call at 929. Four seven seven three eight seven two, and then press one, and we'll bring you on. If you're uh, if you already streaming from your phone, all you have to do is just press one, and we'll bring you on. You can ask Waleem any questions about the book. Uh, Waleem, uh, where where can people purchase the book? Just let them know where the link's at, and you know how they can get it.
3: Sure. Um, you have it at you know your your normal suspects. You can find it at Barnes and Noble. And at Amazon, you can get both paperback and electronic versions. And um, if you go to my publisher's website, which is 30 3 pages.com forward slash Bronx Boheme, you can order a signed copy um, through that, you know, through, um, through the publisher. And um, yeah, so it's basically available on all
2: standard platforms. Definitely, definitely, you all get the book, you know, um, just get it, get it, get at the links um, if anybody want to speak, uh you're definitely welcome to. I know this is a book reading, I know many of you just want to chill and just listen, but um, but you you're definitely welcome to speak, you're definitely welcome to ask questions and and anything like that, so if you do, if you're streaming from your phone, got all you have to do is just press one if you're uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. If you are if you're streaming from an app or a third-party website or a link or anything like that, just give us a call at nine two nine four seven seven three eight seven two and then press one, and we'll bring you on. And you can talk to Waleem yourself and ask him any questions about Land of the Black Squirrels. This is definitely a, a very interesting book. You know, uh, very very creative. It, it's like you know, it just it just really pulls you in. Um, now you know before we uh, you know read some more. I, I actually have a question. I have have a few questions myself. Um, now, when writing the book, uh, well, not just. Well, I mean, well, I just, I just want to ask your your writing process in general. You know, you know, as mm-hmm. a playwright, do you do you is there a certain method? Like, do you brainstorm ideas and then you piece it together, or do you already have? you already go into it with an idea of what you want to do or uh or do you come up with the idea and you work backwards like how do you how do you formulate how do you put your ideas to work it's um it's
3: funny to ask it's really with writing for me becomes a series of thinking about what ifs or just sort of um I guess you could say not so much – I wouldn't so much use the word conflict, or if I use it, it's more in the um, literary sense. It's just sort of like resolving things or thinking about things. And the other piece that often comes particularly to me in writing, and I think a lot of this comes in terms of poetry, is trying to write things that deal with the senses – trying to recreate how did something sound, how did it feel, how did it smell, how did it taste, Um, and, of course, what kind of emotion did it invoke or what kind of thought or thought process or feeling did it create for you. And um, sometimes it's just a matter of recreating that, like um, in the excerpt that I read, trying to recreate what did the Bronx feel like in early summer, in June? What are some of the familiar aspects of it? The Mr. Softy truck, the sound of people out on the street, the open windows, um, the smells in the air, the honeysuckle coming from the different yards and that kind of thing. These are some of the things that I, as a writer, try to recreate and it's um, you know because the, the thing is in terms of writing when you're writing scripts it's dialogue so there you're trying to think of what are some of the conversations that took place but when you're writing prose now you're more so delving into or i should say you have the opportunity to actually delve into the mind and the thoughts of the character In a play, you can't do that because you're sitting in, you know, your audience is sitting there and they're watching a play and they're only able to go by what they hear and what they witness. And if the characters sort of stopped and then started to tell you a story about themselves or their feelings, for example, um, like think about that scene with Oba painting. The visual is Oba standing there painting a wall, but now we're able to go back into what led to him painting that wall. Why was he stressed out? Why was he upset? We can go back to that conversation that's in his mind. If we're just watching it on a screen, we won't know what that conversation was. We just know that he's standing there painting a wall.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And oh, you yeah, have sure to create indeed. other elements. So, you know, it was that kind of exploration in the writing. Because like I said, the original idea was to try to do this maybe as a screenplay or a long form. And it was like, no, that's that's going to be a little tricky to pull off. A novel might allow you to explore the experience and the language a little bit
2: better. Oh, yes. True indeed. True indeed. Because, you know, it's uh, it's often like that. You know, uh, some books are just, you know, either made to be just books or, you know, some movies are better. Like, you know, some movies made from books Sometimes the book is better. Sometimes the movie is better. Sometimes the play is better. You know, so uh, I guess certain, you know, some things don't, I guess, translate well. I'm uh, not saying that it, that it couldn't, but, you, you know, just to get the feeling of something, you know, it's just certain mm-hmm. platform, you know, I guess it pulls it off better certain different types of ways, if that makes sense what I'm saying. <laughs> oh,
3: time, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes oh, the medium sure. is
2: a Oh yeah, go ahead
3: No, I was saying sometimes the medium Hi, can you hear me?
2: Yeah, it sounded like you cut out
3: Oh, okay, I'm sorry No, I was saying that sometimes Mm -hmm. the medium is everything And then sometimes you can take a single story And explore different aspects of that story through the medium So like, for example, Mm -hmm. you have the book version Which can explore it from one angle the movie could explore it from a different angle. Then you might have somebody take the same story and turns it into a song or a bunch of songs, and that's exploring it from yet another angle. So, you know, that's um, really sometimes how you want to figure out how to look at it.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, true indeed, true indeed. Well, uh, we got some more people tuned in and listening. Uh, You can shout out the links again you know, for the for the people just tuning in or people just checking it out.
3: Okay, definitely. So the name of the novel is Land of the Black Squirrels, and you can find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, both in paperback and uh, digital form. And if you want a signed copy, if you go to my publisher's website, which is 30-3pages.com, Forward slash Bronx Boheme Boheme is spelled B O H E M um, E. You can order a signed copy directly from the publisher. Definitely, definitely. That's well,
2: yeah, you all definitely do that. It's a, the book is definitely uh, well worth it. You know, check it out. You know, uh, he's going to read a few more excerpts tonight as well. I just want to say we're going to give you an opportunity to speak to them right now, if you'd like. Uh, if you're streaming from a, an app or a third-party website or a link or anything like that, just uh, give us a call at 929-477-3872, and then press 1, and we'll bring you on. And you can talk to Waleen about the book. Or about, you know, anything about books in general, about, you know, uh, about publishing. If you have any, you want any advice, you know, he could definitely give it to you. Uh, You know, also, you know, if you have anything you want to plug and and, uh, share it with Waleem, you're welcome to do it. Say, for instance, you're an artist and, uh, you know, hey, I got some music, you know, because, you know, Waleem does music as well, of course. Perhaps you could talk collaborations, perhaps uh, a potential soundtrack for any upcoming books or something, you know, hey, it's, it's it's all on the table. We can all talk about it. So, again, if you're streaming from an app or a link or a third-party website, just give us a call at 929-477-3872, and then press 1. Uh, if you're already streaming from your phone, all you have to do is just press 1. So, you know, you've already dialed the number. So all you got to do is just press 1, and we'll bring you on. Talking to Waleem. And uh, definitely get the book, Land of the Black Squirrels. All right. Uh, Wally, I'm Uh, going to pass the mic back to you. Oh, go
4: ahead. I was going to say, well,
3: changing gears a little bit, I guess for some of my writers out there listening right now, um, one of the services that I've, um, well, as as you know, Jay, we just opened a recording studio and a production Mm -hmm. house called Poly Studios. And one of the services that we offer now, you have a lot more writers trying to do audio books of their work. And one of the services that we offer is that if you are trying to do um, an audio recording, and a lot of people are trying to do it themselves on their computer, you, you know, using some of the free download stuff, either GarageBand, Audacity, or, or what have you. What we do is we can edit and master the recording so that it actually gets accepted by the various download services because audiobooks um there's a particular standard for the level of the recording the quality of the recording and a lot of those things and sometimes it's a matter of you know we've had people send us books where they did the entire recording on like their iphone or what have you and we were able to take the iphone recording and actually turn it into a um signal that was acceptable for um release so we can help you get your audio book finished and processed. And uh, we do the same thing. You have some people who have podcasts that they're trying to put the podcast together, need that edited. We do things like that for them also. And the same thing for the singers, songwriters, musicians, and home producers out there. You have a lot of people now who, um, you know, we're a full function recording studio, but we also know that you have a lot of people who have home recording, home recording capabilities, and we're able to take sometimes those home recordings and mix them and master them or sometimes the person mixes them themselves and we master it so that it meets the standards that can actually get on Spotify and iTunes and the various forms cuz you know there are little things that they don't tell you when it comes to be you know um, do it yourself recording that there still are professional standards that you have to meet or exceed At the very basis. So, you know, we're trying to be that bridge for a lot of your independent artists who are trying to compete with the major labels and the sound coming out of the major labels, and we can maybe help you get
2: there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, If they want to get in touch with you for those services, how can they do that?
3: Okay. If you hit up the website polyphonicstudios.com. We have a contact page on there. You can hit us with an email um, through the contact page. Phone number is on there. We also have order forms for remote services. So if you have, you know, you have tracks that you want mastered, you can go on there and order the services, and um, we'll then connect with you and connect everything. If you have stuff that you want mixed. We can do, you know, um, we can do all that remotely using Dropbox and WeTransfer and Google Drives. So um yeah, just hit up polyphonicstudios.com dot
2: com. And you know definitely check definitely. it out, look up Yeah, definitely check it out. Uh and I also want to say that they we're also uh Polyphonic Studios also listed in Blacktopia, the Blacktopia mobile app and blacktopia.org. So, you know, let's let's all support each other, let's keep that ecosystem flowing.
3: Oh, big time, big time. I oh, always oh, wanted to say that one one of our clients were very proud to work with uh, you know, making connect, the radio show making connections with Allie and Shay. We um did the theme song for that show out of our studio.
2: Yes, yes. And uh Allie and Shay are also proud members of Blacktopia as well. And uh, you know, they're connected to us, making connections is is connected to uh, a lot of the things I do, um, and, you know, you, you'll you'll hear some of the guests that are on my shows, on their shows, and vice versa. So, you know, we all we all help each other out. So definitely check out making connections with Ali and Shay, and that, that theme song from the group, you know, the that that was bumping, thumping, just like the ZYG 808s new single.
3: Oh yeah, and thumping was actually the first official release out of our studio. Ah. That was um, because, you know, ZYG um is a producer and engineer out of Polyphonic Studios. So, yeah.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's good to hear. You know, and I, like I said, we played the ZYG 808 single Thumping at the beginning of this uh, broadcast. So, if you've missed it, go back and check it out when we do a replay or. It'll be on iTunes later. You can check it out. The song is is definitely thumping, you know. So you know if you want to you know and head I, over, probably. And,
3: and as you mentioned, you make a cameo appearance in the music video.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. The check out the music video on YouTube, you all. Uh, you know, go to uh, you know, just put in the ZYG eight hundred eight thumping, you know. To watch the music video. There's a few people. Uh, it's some Black Topians in there as well. We got a. Uh, Z Lady Z is in there, the violinist. <laughs> um we got stand up comedian Laquita Johnson, who's also a, a yeah. cast member on Yesterday. Yes, yes, who's also a cast member on Yesterday Night Tape, she's on there. Uh uh Darren Walker, who's a writer on Yesterday Night Tape, he's in the video. Uh, uh Jorge Promotions, I saw him in there.
3: Uh yeah. Um, yeah. Tarji Lewis, TML, who's also a Blacktopian, she's in there.
2: Ah, yes, yes. So you all, yeah, check out the video. Definitely. We also got a call. Let's I, go ahead and bring on a call. Oh, what, what? Go ahead, Wally.
3: I was gonna say I actually made a, a an appearance in there as well. I'm, I'm buried in the in the flooring. But yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Definitely, <laughs> definitely. You all check check us all out in the video. All right, let's go ahead and take this first call. Caller in the two one three two one eight. You're on the air. Who is this?
4: Hey, how how are you?
2: I'm doing well. How's it going?
4: Good, good. Um, my name is Samuel Leon. I'm a pop artist and an A and R. Um. Pretty much, I was told to call in, yeah. uh, you know, potentially um try to make you know a connection with the author mm-hmm. as far as um potentially having like, some of my music played in the books or whatever.
2: Oh yeah, Samuel. He's also uh thank you for calling. I just want to say Samuel. He's also a member of Blacktopia as well. You know, uh, yeah, Samuel. He's a pop pop artist and um. Yeah, he yeah, he's a great dude. Uh you all check out his music. Uh Waleem, you know what? Hey, you know what, Samuel? Uh I'll let you and Waleem talk it out.
4: All right, all right. That's great. Yep. Yeah. Hey brother, how are you doing? Hey brother, I'm doing great. Um like I said I just just was referred I I think um Mr. Coleman, he actually was like, you know, I should get yeah, you Coleman. out. That's kinda of nervous. You know, cause I was like, well, I was like, they don't on the hear, but I see a job set aside like a time for people to call in. So I was like, okay, it wasn't in poor taste, but I'm I'm definitely glad I called now. Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah no. But but in in regard in regard to your music,
3: definitely I'd love to check some of that out. Um, we have my well, I should say the ZYG actually has a weekly. Podcast. and In fact, it's it's it probably just went live. Just went live the same time we went on the air. But he has a podcast called The Cipher, where he particularly tries to highlight um, independent artists. So you know, definitely, I know he would want to check out what you're doing. You know, primarily what he's working with is hip hop, but he's been expanding to more pop R and d type
4: Got stuff you. included as well. What a, What a beauty of it is, like being that I am pop, it. I don't really have a genre. It pans in to other genres. I got certain music that I'm rapping on. I, I play instruments. You know, I play the acoustic guitar, the banjo, accordion, oh, wow. all sorts of things. And then you, my artists on my label, like, uh, we're very diverse. I got uh, one artist from Nigeria. He does afrobeat and pop music. Ooh. Then I have another artist who's um from... I was of my hometown, Burgard, North Carolina. I'm from Wilmington, North Carolina. But, um, okay. She, my female artist, she does hip hop, you know, so, mm-hmm. and then I do everything, <laughs> pretty much.
3: Nice, nice, okay. Now, I mean, we would love to check all of that out, you know, quite honestly. <laughs> and then,
4: well, um, so wherever, can... I mean, it, pretty much, um, all of our music on, are on all platforms, whether it's streaming or for purchase. Um, long, all I've got to do is pretty much give you the names, you know, uh, free. It gives can, you the streaming. You can look us up on YouTube, Tidal, <laughs> Google Play, whatever. Oh we're literally everywhere. Also, um, we're verified on Spotify, um, and also I have – all of us, we have an official artist page on YouTube.
3: Oh, excellent! All right. So, no, I de- um, definitely want to get those links from you. And incidentally, if you ever need post-production work, we do that. Ma- you okay. know, mastering editing. You know, mastering editing. Even if you need something mixed, we um, Polyphonic Studios. We do that. We, you know, particularly opened especially for independent labels, independent artists. Um, as a resource, so
4: that's that's great to know. Um, like I said, uh, you're you know you are you are here, Lord, As well to with, with the links that as far as the music quality, it, it's it's definitely par, you know. But um, oh, yeah. I'm definitely uh, you know open to that. I'm glad because you can you know you can you can never have too many resources. That's something good to know. Definitely. Oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah, and, and as labels grow, sometimes you need more outlets to get your stuff out, you know, or get exactly your stuff. because oh, like
4: you know, especially, especially being indie because yes, you know, especially being indie, indie because like I said, resources are so limited. It's just me, you know. I, it's I'm I'm the A the and R's, and I'm doing so many things, you know. So, and for me to outsource, it takes. I'll, it takes a lot of You know the Pressure off Pressure off of me Yeah Because yeah, I, I work very very hard My artists will tell you Like I work very very hard For my artists You know Alright we, we I might be I, I,
3: If you like I, You know Off air We could connect And chat Because One of the things That I found I've, I I ran a label I still run the label But I've had a label now for um, going on 30 years and wow. I'm learning oh, yeah. that Definitely. I'm learning like... that I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm learning that the, you know, exactly as you're talking about the strengths, my strength is production and post-production and somebody who can actually do the A&R can do that side of the artist development. I've been trying to work more with people like that people who understand the promotion and so forth, because as you said, it's a lot of pressure to fall on one person. And, you know, sometimes it becomes a kind of a one man or a two man operation. And I think the more of us who connect and start working together and playing to our strengths, um, I think that's going to, that's going to change the game for all of us.
4: Yeah. And I can, I can honestly say like, you know, people who, who really, really know me or, People that uh, spec, you know, spectate, they'll be like, you know, he really works, you know, for me to be one person, I do things, mm-hmm. I accomplish things that teams of people do, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's just me and the Most High, but we, I, we get it done, you know.
3: I we we can exchange links. We can exchange links on artists that we've worked with. Where we were the one man show, and and you know it sounds like it sounds like we have a similar story to tell.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's great because you know um, I, that I would love to, you know, that insight. It very well could be what, what I need because you know the the thing about it is I never I never really envisioned being an A&R. It was kind of like something that kind of happened upon me because I know that. As far as as far as being a I'm a, a musician, producer, and an artist first A and R new in in that order. So it's like I was like you know I I was like well first I was like I'm probably I'm not gonna have enough time to invest into other people's careers because you know I I got my own and then mm-hmm. I'm very I'm very selective about the the kind of music and the kind of product that I admit it's not it's not just about money for me. You know, I I can't just I'm not gonna hop for every dollar or compromise my creeds and morals for whatever that's selling. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. So yeah, so that so that so that's why I was like, well, I don't know if I could be a be an A&R, you know. I'm more, I like I said, I'm more passion passionate than a businessman. But it's worked out like I um as far as my my artists that I do, man, is their music is great, you know. All our music is is really pretty much rich and acculturated and positive for the most part. So and that, you know that's that's what I. I go for you know I can't tell an artist how to tell their story, but as like I said, as long as it's in a positive direction, I can work with it. All right, yeah,
3: yeah, no, so definitely, you know, um, after the show, definitely let us connect and stay in touch and see how we can see how we can make each other grow.
4: Okay, okay, well, um, what, for on air for record. <laughs> My my name is Samueli S A M U E L I last name Leon L E O N okay that that name is pretty googable I'm on everything I'm the only one on the planet with my artist name also too um you know on on is my number two one three one eight one eight three three. so yeah you know um I definitely look forward forward to chopping it up with you and building something.
3: Yeah man, yeah
2: man. Definitely, oh, you know, yeah. Definitely, Sim- let's make that happen. Definitely, definitely, Samueli. Uh, thank you for thank you for calling in. Um, I I actually linked you two up on on in in Blacktopia. I tagged you both in the post together. So uh, so perhaps you know you guys could inbox each other from there. And and well, you you already gave your number on the air, so <laughs> so you got that too. What?
4: So, uh, like I said, my my name too, my name too, and uh, you know, like I said, that that, that name is Google for everybody that's that's listening too. If you want to, you know, look up my music or anything like that, once you that name S A M U E L L I L E O N, you you can find me. I'm I'm there.
2: <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, definitely a unique name, indeed. Uh
4: thank
2: you. Definitely. You're welcome, Samuel. Um all right. Good chat, you. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh yes, if anybody else wants to talk to Waleen you're welcome to Whoever that number was in the two four I forget the area code, whatever that two area code was Uh, If you're still streaming, you're welcome to call back in, and uh, we'll bring you on. Um, Anybody else, you're welcome to call in. Just press 1, we'll bring you on. Uh, If you're streaming from an app or a third-party website or a link or anything like that, give us a call at 929-477-3872, and then press 1. If you're streaming from your phone right now, all you have to do is just press 1, and we'll bring you on. We're talking to Waleen, and uh, he's reading some uh, excerpts from *Land of the Black Squirrels*. All right, I'm gonna pass the mic back over to you, Waleen. Um, if you want to, you know, read another excerpt for the uh, for the listeners to enjoy. Um, um yeah, I I wanted to actually, if it's cool, let's let's talk context.
3: Okay. And, um, and and motive of of what was behind of what's behind the novel um because the, the passage that i read the one about Oba and building the arts academy um i wanted to talk about the storytelling side of that if if you don't mind me stepping outside Oh the book
2: yeah go for ahead. Oh, definitely oh, right. go ahead. Break it the floor is yours.
3: Motive being... The real motive, I should say, behind the storytelling and behind the book was um, and it very much ties to the vision that you have for
4: Blacktopia where
3: wow. I was, you know, when you were at, you know, it's in line with when you asked me earlier about um, process as a writer. A lot of my interest, creative interest and stories that I tell deal with um culture and experience and especially culture and experience of black people and native people being those are the two communities I come from. I come from the Mashpee Wampanoag and I come from the um, black community, more precisely the West Indian American community. And what I wanted to look at was the fact that we live in America where it's, there's so much about disrupting and destroying uh what's in place for people of color and what people of color put in place for themselves on a social, economic, political level. And what um, I wanted to explore was how we have and continue to combat that. And oftentimes it comes down to our ability to build our own institutions and sometimes our capacity to take, I won't say take responsibility for things that are not our responsibility because it's all our responsibility, but sometimes stepping outside of even the parameters of what they say our responsibility is. You know, um, when you look, for example, at teaching and you think of teaching in terms of the profession and you think of teaching in terms of school, and we don't think of teaching in terms of these are oftentimes mentors and these are people who sometimes become sort of a bridge. They, they become almost surrogate parents, our teachers, you know, our true community teachers and our true institutions, those things within our community. You know, initially what we had as institutions within the black community were limited to um, the church and um, depending on how far we went, it would be the church and sometimes our fraternal organizations, be it the Elks, the Masons, um,
4: the you know
3: the, the very the uh, various historically black Greek letter organizations that kind of thing those become our institutions and you know when we also had the point during segregation where we had to, we had to have our own businesses we had to have our own stores we had to have our own insurance companies we had to have our own schools um, in many ways losing those things have sort of disrupted. Our ability to function Because we don't have our own businesses We now are dependent on The you know we're dependent on The white majority for a lot Of what we need to become dependent Because we give up our independence So a lot of the exploration Of this book Were you know seem to be about Black people regaining or trying to Regain some Semblance of independence Economically or socially So with this scene of Oba building this arts academy, this is, in fact, an artist trying to take control of the medium of art. Because, you know, as an artist, people don't realize this, but a natural piece of growing as an artist is teaching. Because, we, you know, as an artist, we grow by teaching our craft to somebody else. We, you know, we don't realize this, but that is part of the practice. Because when you're teaching the craft, you're actually reviewing the fundamentals and the more that you teach the more you're reviewing your foundation and fundamental and every time you're reviewing your fundamentals and foundations as an artist it's actually expanding where you are at that point so the growers you know when you look at you know it's funny because you always have that adage those who can do those who can't teach and you know they always try to flip it around and say oh well you're teaching because you can't do it and it's actually quite the opposite If you look at your greatest artists in history across the disciplines, they were all teachers. There is not a single artist of merit who does not or did not teach their craft. You know, I I I can't emphasize that enough. You you see an actor, and you see an actor who is a great actor. Guess what? That great actor teaches workshops and acting someplace. That great director, that great writer is teaching someplace. You know, we think of uh, the director Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese was on faculty at NYU as a film teacher. You think of Spike Lee. Spike Lee was on faculty at Harvard. Mm -hmm. To give you that example. There are actors who have studied with Larry Fishburne. I'm sorry with a U, Fishburn. Fishburne. Um, but, you know, so that, so all of these things were somewhat, um, I would say the ideas or the inspiration or the new, the what-ifs that came to mind because, you know, honestly, there is no four-story building on East Chester Road near Adi Avenue. The address that, where the New World Arts Academy takes place is actually a vacant lot. Um, but the idea was, what if somebody had come along and done this in 1969? Because there are places where it actually was done. You had um, you had Robert Hooks, the uh, great actor-director um, who was from Washington, D.C., who in the late 60s went back to Washington, D.C. and helped open a theater company as a training ground. You had a James Spruill, same thing, actor, director who went to Boston and opened a theater company as a training ground for young black actors who didn't have the opportunity to get training um, elsewhere. You know, you had all of these things springing up. You had, in 1967, Amiri Baraka obtain a building from the city and turn it into the Black Arts Repertory Theater in Harlem, New York and from the Black Arts Repertory Theater sprang about three or four other Black theater companies. So, you, so, you actually, you know, so it's based in reality of what what artists actually did. And I thought, what if an artist actually did this in the Valley around that same time? What kind of thing would have sprang forward? Now, you know, the thing is, you did have situations like that because in the Bronx, you have a wonderful organization called Mind Builders. Um, you had a wonderful organization called the Youth Activities Committee that became a wellspring for all kinds of arts and sports activities um, for youth in the community. So it was looking at what, you know, what if we took all of these elements and tied them together in one story? And what if we also looked at the fact that hip hop invariably grew out of, I would say the original Bronx hip hop invariably grew out of the influences of the various musics that already existed within the black and Hispanic community of the Bronx and Harlem. So you had funk, you had, um, Calypso, you had ska rock, you know, rockers, reggae, rock steady. Um, you had all of these different forms that now come together in these communities and give birth to, you know, where people are, uh, you know, it's like a collage where you're taking little bits and pieces of this and you put it all together, and you create the background for hip-hop. So that becomes part of the story also, where you now see the bridge between the jazz players and the brothers who are working with turntables actually crossing paths. So that becomes some some of the basis of the story. But, it, but what it also... I was trying to do was capture a blueprint of what we need to do now. You know, uh, again... Blacktopia is an example of the kind of social, you know, social economic and political philosophy that black people need to embrace or I should say re-embrace after we found that the era of integration is not really for us as we're beginning to discover that the whole concept of diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion is, you know, one person posted the revolution is not in diversity and inclusion. And, you know it's quite true because um, diversity and inclusion is still a white is still maintaining a white power structure. It's just letting a couple more black people um, sit near the table, not even at the table. Exactly. But when we start, but when we start to see true true diversity and inclusion is when we're given our own tables or we're taught how to build a table. That's diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion is not you hiring me to come work at your company, diversity and inclusion, is you teaching me how to, be, is you telling me or teaching me or giving me, pointing me, you know, what is it uh, James Brown said, I don't need nobody to give me nothing, just open up the door and I'll get it myself. That's, that's where we need to be. And, you know, that's yeah. really the, um, that, that's really the social, the social philosophy behind land of the black squirrels and behind the entire Bronx for Wayne series is Re-embracing that Re-embracing and reaffirming the entire Concept of do for self
2: Exactly I love it Yes Yes you know like you said That's what Blacktopia is all about You know not uh, Trying to play in the white man's Sandbox but uh, creating our own Sandbox you know Exactly
3: Exactly and you know that That was um that was behind even the concepts of um, building building polyphonic studios was why are we going and paying him for a studio and why are we paying him 10 times as much for a studio and why are we not coming out with a decent product? Why is our music disregarded? You know, why is it seen as secondary? Why can't we have a studio where they actually specialize in, the various sounds that come out of our community. Because, you know, we, the thing with um, poly, you know, going back with polyphonic, polyphonic is a house that, that we have people who specialize in jazz, in hip-hop, in R&B, in classic soul, in acoustic forms, in alternative forms. Um, you know, we have an entire construct built around black rock. That you know, and people wonder what is you know when I say black rock, I'm talking about funkadelic. Um, if we reach back to the 60s, 70s, funkadelic. If we come a little further into the 90s, we're talking about Living Color, and we're talking about the bands that you know expand, um, out you know, or I should say grow out of 24/7 Spies, for example, um, Fishbone. There you know, there's this whole element of black music that um people just sort of look at and push to the side and what you know what happens now when you have a studio that's built that actually has a regard and respect for the aesthetics of this music because you know um a, a funny a funny piece that a lot of people don't realize hip hop had to be produced in studios that had experiences dealing with punk rock because sonically, that was the closest form of music to the raw sound that hip hop had that still required a certain sound quality. Now, what happens if you have, what happens when you start to have engineers who understand punk rock but also have a complete and total regard for hip hop? Now you've got new possibilities. Comes from that yeah. exact same philosophy of when we do for self.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. This, this is, man. I oh I, I, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, you know, you,
4: everything that needs to be
2: said, you're saying it. You know.
4: All right. All right, brother. brother. thank you. But, but you know that, that when
3: I when I want. When I talk about the context of the novel or what's the thought process behind the novel or the series, that is, you know, particularly one of the big things that oftentimes goes unsaid. And I realize, no, I actually do have to articulate that for people to catch it properly. Exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm glad you broke that down, you know. Cause uh, you know sometimes I believe when people are reading, you know, they well, I didn't say when they're just reading, but sometimes you know a lot of people don't catch the uh, catch the the depthness, the de- you know the catch, you know the uh, a lot of the uh, I'm saying uh we need to be saying some words, <laughs> um, the the meanings underneath the surface, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know,
0: especially.
3: It's the, uh, it's... Oh, I'm, yes, I'm sorry. The, I you... going to say that that that's kind of the nature of storytelling. It, it, the um is allegory. I guess mm-hmm. was the word I was searching for before. But but that is the element of allegory, where it's sort of like the story behind the story.
2: Exactly. Exactly. For everyone listening, you know, definitely, definitely get the book and 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 just let it sink in. Let it sink in when you read it, you know. You know, definitely look for it. Look for the uh, the, the meaning within the story.
3: That is, you know, that is where we that is where we try to pull it, and that's also um, one of the things that they try to erase. From you know, and, and it's a fundamental of black storytelling. But you but the powers that be, this is one of the things they try to erase. It's a natural tendency for our stories to actually have a moral, or to actually have a purpose. We don't tell stories just to tell stories. You know, we we don't we don't do storytelling for storytelling's sake. Our stories are actually supposed to have some enlightening element to them.
4: Oh yeah. You know, oh, yes.
3: And this is all, you know, this has always been the case with our stories, you know, whether we're talking about the Brer Rabbit stories that come from the um 19th century, and you know, the thing is the Burr Rabbit stories were actually allegories about runaway slaves and about those who helped. You know, Harriet Tubman was basically Brer Rabbit.
1: Mhm.
3: But you know, that sort of connection. And, you know, that... But what's unfortunately happened is, um... How, you know, how they have taken us to just basically our stories then just sort of become ridiculous whatevers.
4: Yeah.
2: Unfortunately.
3: Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate... (laughs) It's
2: unfortunate
3: when, um, you know, when when we look at opportunities, for example, um, you know, it shifted now because of Netflix and streaming, but there was a period in the late 90s to the early 2000s where you had some people who had created um, film companies, film distribution companies that were direct-to-home video. And so they had create had discovered this whole niche of making black movies that wouldn't get cinematic release. They were low budget, but they were black movies that, when they were produced, put them on DVD, and you could rent them at like Hollywood Video and um, home. You know the various home video rentals. Places And even initially, initially, if you remember, bless you, Redbox and Netflix, if you remember, they originally were sort of like rental, DVD rental services. But what Mm -hmm. happened was this, instead of looking at this opportunity from a larger scale, they looked at it as sort of like focusing on the lowest common denominator. The movies, um, I remember one time looking at two or three of these distribution houses and seeing what kind of movies were they looking for. And it was unfortunate because what they were looking for were basically all gangster stories. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it would say outright, a recognized, you should have at least one recognized hip-hop artist making a cameo. And these, the, mm-hmm. this was, you know, this was the... act. Ex- For the movie, the quality of the story The quality of the film itself Was not really um, One of the things that they were Looking at or connecting to It almost entirely was around Okay, basically we need to put out a a, a black gangster Or a black ghetto movie And um, that's what we're releasing And when you look at the stories It did sort of follow the basic of You know, the guy gets the girl The guy changes from being a thug To being a nice guy to get the girl the um, girl wises up and leaves the guy, or the guy, when he finally po- reaches his point of redemption, dies. I mean, these these were basically the plots of almost all of these stories, or they were all sort of like uh, modern-day minstrel cool show movies. The possibility to sort of re-embrace the origins of black cinema were completely gone. You know, um, <laughs> there was a movie that came out, back in the early 1900s called Birth of a Nation. It was the first epic-length film. Um, It was by D.W. Griffith, and it was a movie that was based on a novel called Klansmen. And it was basically a movie that glorified the reason why the Klan came into existence and why the Klan was uh, was necessary. And um, the movie actually featured, like, hundreds of white actors in blackface, And it was all basically around that if the Klan wasn't there to protect, um, you you basically had all of these black men who were predisposed to rape and criminal behavior. And if it wasn't for the Klan to keep them at bay, white women would be raped on a regular basis. That was what this black and white uh, movie focused on. And as a response, and in fact, the movie was used as a recruitment tool for the Ku Klux Klan. Well, as a reaction to this movie, you had a, a novelist by the name of Oscar Michaud, who was a black man who was writing and publishing and selling his own novels. He was actually selling them door to door. He took one of his novels and actually completely with his own funding produced a movie around the novel called The Settler and um, started traveling this movie around the country Uh, At this point, movie theaters would have something called a midnight ramble, which was midnight would be the only time a lot of theaters would let black people into the movie house. So he would drive from city to city and he would show his movie at midnight rambles. And this, of course, became the birth of American black cinema. Was Oscar (laughs) Micheaux and also these two brothers out of um, Illinois called the the, um, Johnson brothers. These were black people who were making movies for black audiences and actually directly taking them to black audiences from the success of their movies this is where hollywood then decided okay so we need to start making movies with black people in them that black people can see so that's what but of course their movies were incredibly racist incredibly stereotypical but they featured black people and, you know, we were so hungry and starving to see ourselves that we would go to the movies and see things like Green Pastures and Cabin in the Sky and Stormy Weather and, you know, any number of other, you know, um, degrading films is the best way I could put it. But reaching back to that spirit of the Oscarman shows, that's where we, that was, that was the opportunity that got missed with the home video movement. This could have been the opportunity to actually. Release films that showed black people in a different light,
4: and Mm -hmm. actually
2: told our stories. Oh yes! Oh yes! Oh yes! You're totally right. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you're speaking on all this tonight.
4: Oh Oh, yeah!
2: Oh yeah! Just um,
3: just just wanted to, like I said, sort of go into the philosophy behind a novel like this. Um, the various, you know, and, and within the book, the various explorations. The fact that um, we are a spiritual people. That you look at, yes, Christianity is something that. Has become part of our larger picture But then look at how You know, for example, look at Islam And the way that Islam Was, if you will, reconstructed In a manner of speaking To meet the needs of black people in America When you look at the Nation of Islam You look at the 5% Nation You look at the um, Moorish Temple and you look at how all of these were sort of like reconstructions to sort of reinstate our sense of identity, and our sense of dignity, because of the way that um, Christianity, as Christianity originated as an African religion, however, the way that Christianity was co-opted and then used as a tool of colonization, and so the Christianity, the forms of Christianity that get embraced oftentimes or that we grew up with are the forms that were actually used to colonize and enslave us. But then when we start to reconfigure Christianity into a sort of liberationist construct, the fact that, okay, so let's look at that. Let's look at the religions that we had before we were introduced to Christianity. Let's look at Yoruba. Let's look at Vodun. Let's look at all of these different things and recognize that these are these are some of the spiritual connections and even some of the things that then transfer translate themselves into into our religion. Why why does our music in the church sound the way it does? It's that African influence. It's that spiritual influence of the music. That's why it has that beat. That's why it has those harmonies. That's why it has those melodies. But these but again, it's the um, the acculturation, if you will has so much become a part of our um, journey back to ourselves. These are some of the elements that I try to explore in the novel, which is why you have characters who, um, you know, the character we met first is Oba, Obatunde. But Obatunde, we find out that his given name, if you will, is Calvin. But, okay, so if his given name is Calvin, why do we now know him as Obatunde? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just wanted to sort of step Mm -hmm. back in some of the 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 contextual background of the novel.
2: Oh yes, oh yes. I'm glad you broke all that down. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, it's just so much to think about, so much to to take in. You know. Uh, I also want to say too that um. Well, actually, before I even say that. Um, If if we have anybody else that wants to speak to Waleem, you're welcome to. He's breaking down a lot of great things. Uh, If you want to jump in and add on to it, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, Just give us a call at 929-477-3872. If you're streaming from an app, a link, or a third-party website or anything like that, just give us a call, 929-477-3872. And then press 1, and we'll bring you on. Uh, also, if you're streaming from your phone already, all you have to do is just press 1. We're talking to Waleen. Uh Let's go on ahead and take this call right here. Caller in the 828-449, you're on the air. Who is this?
1: Hey, Jonathan, this is Allie. Allie, how you doing? Hey, hey I'm how good, how are you? Hey, morning.
4: Hey, Allie, hey, how you doing, my dear? I'm
1: good, I'm good I've just been listening I haven't heard all of it, but um, when I clicked in I just like the way you break down stuff I mean, I listened uh, last night to you and your son That was cool, too But I just like the way you break oh. down stuff And the meaning behind like the book And The fact that stories that black people tell were not just for no reason, they have meaning, and we told it, and we're supposed to pass it down to the next generation to tell, and so we wouldn't forget. And so I've been enjoying what I have heard. Oh, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, and of course I have to give you a shout-out because you make all my music for my radio shows. And so you made our theme, and then for the next thing that I have coming out, so I really appreciate everything and all your support. So I absolutely had to jump on and just say I appreciate everything you do and um, enjoying your readings. And you're, you and your son are too funny together. I enjoyed that last night. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thank
3: you. We, and that, the, with, with, with he and I, that really is us. That's just kind of how we are so it it was more it was more like y'all y'all got a chance to glimpse into our real world conversations and whatnot but i I also wanted to say you know thank you so much for the opportunities you present for so many you know independent business people artists um community people community leaders with the broadcast that you have where you're bringing a lot of this to light and bringing exposure to folks who otherwise would be unseen or unknown so, you know, recognizing the very important work you do with with your and programs. So, you know, I have to say thank you. Oh,
1: well thank you so much. And you are very welcome. Welcome anytime.
3: All right, well thank you. Thank you.
1: Definitely.
2: Thank well, you. Well that's all I just want to. So what did you say? You broke out. What is that?
1: <laughs> No, I was just saying thanks, Jay. I just wanted to pop in and just say hello to both of you. I appreciate the connection that you make <laughs> in our show as well.
2: Definitely. definitely. And, uh, you know, while Amy uh, mentioned you earlier in the program, you know, like you said about, about doing them, uh, the theme song for making connections, you know, you talked
1: about that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's awesome. I love it. But you're also gonna love what's coming next. I haven't launched it yet, but I'll let you know when it's coming out.
2: <laughs> Definitely, certainly looking forward to it.
1: All right. All right. Well, I don't want to hold y'all up. I just wanted to jump on and say hello.
2: Definitely.
4: Thank you. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you Allie. Thank, thank you. Always beautiful to hear from you. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. All right.
2: If we have anybody else, definitely jump on in. Uh, just give us a call nine two nine four seven seven three eight seven two, and then press one. Uh, actually, you know what? Um, I I think everybody else wants to be quiet tonight, Waleen, but, I, but we do have a, a good amount of people listening. There's people that jumped on the uh, the comment section in the Blacktopia group. That uh, they said they one of them said they had a little trouble with the link uh, purchasing the book. So I, I don't know. I might have I might have put the wrong. I I tried I, I, I double check everything. I might have put the wrong URL or something like that. So uh, if you can give uh, give her the right URL so she can go in and purchase a signed copy, uh, that'll definitely work.
3: I will throw that right up on the chat.
2: Actually, right now. Um... Definitely. Definitely. And I'll just post it on the uh, link because I I tagged you on the in the post. Okay, you probably see it. Okay. Um. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh. And yeah, I think we're just gonna uh, unless there's anything else you want to say, Waleen, Um. We could probably you know just wrap it up. This is probably a good note to wrap it up on because I I think everybody else wants to just chill. You know, if you want anything, if you have anything else you want to Read or say or plug You know you're welcome to do that as well When we wrap up
0: Um
3: let's see Ah well Oh here I just posted In comments The link Um That should Work for us Um Well but the other thing I, I, I wanted to Uh, Tell people to definitely Tune into or keep Posted on It is uh, 33 pages The publisher that released my book Is going to start doing a series Of dialogues and this might actually Be something um, In terms of Blacktopia we might want to consider Collaborating on but doing a series Of um, zoom based Dialogs sort of like Town meetings Around topics Affecting black people, and in particular, we wanted to reach out to and address our black professionals—our doctors, lawyers, business people, um, accountants, etc.—and basically, it was around. It's a lot of it is around the idea of being a black professional and oftentimes being subjected to the uh, white power structure. In either, yeah. in either our rise in our career or our attempts to rise in our career. Um oh, yeah. and just sort of like the different things that we encounter and um experience. I I you know, um so we, we wanna have these as dialogues as um open panel question and answers. We're gonna have specialists come on and talk with us about that. But um definitely if people watch thirty dash three pages dot com you'll um you know we'll have <laughs> updates about these events posted.
2: Definitely, definitely, yeah. That's that yeah, hey. I'm, I'm definitely going to check them out, and that is a great idea to, to perhaps do that for Blacktopia as well. So yeah. Well, we well,
3: I'm I'm hoping we can. I'm hoping that you're catching the hint that I want you to come on as a, as
2: one of our panelists. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm down. I'm down. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely want to jump on. I'm, I'm, I'm,
3: in case we were not catching my subtlety, let me hit you right
2: over the head with it, brother. <laughs> but, you <know. laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to do that sometimes. I, I you know, I, uh, yeah, you <laughs> of, gotta. Of course, definitely set that up. Uh, I mean, whatever dates. I mean, whatever date you have available. What, hey, I'm just let me know. I, I definitely want to do that.
3: All right. Yeah. We're, you know, we're still putting together and planning out when when the um, best is gonna work. The um, pieces my son and I presented last night with WGBH—that's kind of like, sort of the launch of the dialogues, if you will. Because we, uh, we wanted to be a form, we wanted to be a form that's going to also have a, you know, have a certain creative element to it as well. But by and large, it's more so just kind of the—you're not really in this by yourself. Know that that what you're experiencing there's actually terms for it, microaggression, etc that's really what the idea of this is for.
2: Ah, yes. Yes. I, hey, I'm all for it.
4: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm all for, uh, jumping on.
2: All
3: right. Solid. Solid.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely.
2: Um, oh yeah. Is there uh also Wally, is there any, uh, Anything else you want to uh, plug or, or anything else you want to, I mean, you know, the floor is yours until we, you know, wrap it up.
3: Um, I guess that about covers it. Again, um, encouraging everybody, grab your copy of Land of the Black Squirrels. And by the way, if you already read and enjoyed Land of the Black Squirrels, if you would please go on Goodreads and drop a few kind words in review of the novel, that would definitely be appreciated on Goodreads. We have Land of the Black Squirrels posted and a few people have given us, you know, some, some good reviews, some good feedback. And um, we'd definitely love to hear from more people.
2: Definitely, definitely. Oh yeah. So definitely drop those reviews and, on good reads and, and, and give it a good score and all that.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that.
2: Definitely, definitely. All right. Well uh that wraps up tonight's reading. Um Waleem is always a pleasure. Definitely let me know if there's anything else I could do for you. I always always enjoy having you on. Always enjoy working with you. And uh again, you go you guys get Land of the Black Squirrels. Purchase it, give it a good review. You know, uh he's already broken it down for you. So definitely see it for yourself. Read it for yourself and and catch the catch the meanings behind the meanings and, and just just submerge yourself in the story and just feel it. All right, definitely. All right. You don't have to get off this thing, but we gotta uh, well whatever I usually say. All right, good night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, brother, we'll be back
2: <laughs> Definitely, good night <laughs> Thank
3: you All right,